All right. Well, hello, listeners. Welcome back to the latest episode of Woman, Man, and Other Man Talk About Film, TV, and Other Entertainment. Um, AKA, welcome back to the Feature Link Podcast. Um, on this show, we discuss productions of various genres and media, typically for a time long enough to rival a feature length film. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're a newcomer, welcome aboard. Glad to have you, buddy. Um, the feature length podcast is hosted by myself and my co hosts. I'm Daniel. I'm Marco, aka Other Guy. <laughs> and I'm Carolina, aka uh, Woman. <laughs> On this episode of the FLP, which, fun fact, uh, FLP stands for Feature Length Podcast, so just pointing that out. Um, On this episode, we're going to be talking about Mother, which is Darren Aronofsky's 2017 film production thing, whatever you want to call it. Um, Marco had never seen this movie before this week, and Carol and I had each seen it once before. We each rewatched it for the episode. Um... It's kind of a genre-defying work about nameless characters taking place in a metaphorical story and world. On the surface level, it follows a quote-unquote character played by Jennifer Lawrence, who is peeved by unwanted guests in her home, while her husband, played by Javier Bardem, keeps insisting that they are welcome. Things go off the rails, and the guests take a toll on homeowners and the homeowners and their home. Um, now, above that very, very thin, very thin literal plane of this plot is the metaphor, the metaphorical level, which basically makes up the entire intended story by Darren Aronofsky, um, as he has insisted in multiple interviews, by the way. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Lawrence plays a human representation of Mother Earth. Javier Bardem is God, and the unwanted guests are the human race invading the home, which is our planet. Uh, the movie basically becomes a retelling of the Bible, but adapted with modern aspects. And as we'll go on to discuss, I'm sure, um, that storytelling decision was quite questionable. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I like how every time you reference story or characters, I could just hear the air quotes around yeah. <laughs> it. <laughs> but good intro. We normally just try to make it up as we go and we always forget to say our names or the podcast name mm-hmm. or something yeah it's not a problem this time <laughs> we thought it through this time guys we're learning episode three <laughs> that we're being said there. um the entire rest of this episode is probably going to be true to form where we're just like a drunken disaster yeah but we're literally this time because drunken disasters. <laughs> no just this time it's okay um who would like to share their thoughts first or do you guys want me to go first i think you should go first i'd love if you went first honestly because again marco had not seen this before this week so and you sent us some very fun messages while you were watching normally we try not to give each other any spoilers for the one person who hasn't seen it but marco just couldn't help himself (laughs) yeah so um, please go ahead it was the only way it was the only way I made it through the movie was to be able to message you guys and be like, I am watching this movie, right? Like, yeah. um, okay. Okay. Let's get something out of the way here. Um, at the end of the last episode, I made it sound like I was going to have a lot of fun just ripping on this movie. Um, 
this isn't going to be me ripping on the movie as much as it is me trying to do like an autopsy on the movie because it's just it's really unfortunate this movie like that's the best way i can put it is that it's unfortunate because the i feel itself? like is yeah like okay yeah because i don't have a problem with the like inception like premise like initial initial premise of the movie but where where they chose to take it and how they chose to execute it completely fuck with something that could have been really interesting and it just <laughs> becomes a mess so um okay let me start there so as dan alluded to uh jennifer lawrence plays like mother earth basically um the house is kind of like earth and javier bardem basically plays god um and i guess like the central idea of the movie is the idea of like really what it boils down to is like in the literal story she's happy with just like javier bardem but then as the story goes on like more people come and there's bible stories and shit in there but really what it's about is like is existence like are is humanity like special to existence or is like the point of existence like just to be like is it would it be enough that if just the earth exists without humans and like are humans a problem on the earth like that's kind of the theme of the movie um which is interesting um but what really bothers me and like well as we get later on into it like i actually have like suggestions on how they could have done it in a more interesting way but what bothers me is like a couple of things i want to start off first of all the first thing that really bothers me is that this is like the classic case of something being substanceless and trying to seem really like deep so when you look at something like um like let's go with a lot of like quote-unquote like thinker movies if you look at something like taxi driver shutter island even like some of nolan stuff like if you go like interstellar interstellar like inception there are parts of those movies that are like really conceptual um but i i always kind of get the vibes when those types of movies are done well that the people making them like have all the answers and they've just kind of whittled it down to a point where they're giving you as much as you need to then be curious about it and search out more and mother is like the opposite of that where <laughs> It's like he had the idea that I said about like, what's the, is it humans? Like, are humans the point of existence or can the earth just exist? And then he immediately was like, oh no, well, it's just the earth can just exist by itself. And then just like made a movie from that and like had absolutely no interest in like developing the idea or having a point of view other than to just like put it on the screen exactly as he saw it in his head at the like inception of the idea, um, which is like a problem because most movies that require like a lot of like depth and analysis are like what i said they're like deceptively simple right it's like you know that the people making them like have it all laid out in their head and they're making you do the work as opposed to like them not knowing what's what the point is and making you do the work um the other major problem that i had with the movie and i i we're just gonna assume that at every podcast i'm gonna reference aaron sorkin but the other major <laughs> I think problem that'll, i have that'll come to fruition i think you're right yeah like for me it's the listen i don't know if i agree with like existence like the earth just existing by itself like being enough or being the point of existence regardless of whether or not i i agree with that (laughs) like get into that (laughs) yeah like well but i guess my point is like it doesn't matter because if it was like a well-told like i'm totally fine with that being his point of view like if that's his point of view cool 
the reason I bring up Aaron Sorkin is because one of the things that the West Wing was so lauded for was the idea that, like, in the writer's room, if they were going to talk about gun control, if they were going to talk about whatever, abortion, whatever, like a hot political topic, it was, they would always have, like, researchers go out and, like, find, like, the, the quote that everyone uses is, like, find the two smartest people on, like, either side of the issue, like, find out what their arguments are, and then they would basically, like, give Sorkin those memos, and then he would like dramatize the argument between those two people and ultimately like whatever his position was would win so he's like a liberal right so like as most people in hollywood are um so like if it was gun control like the gun control the person for gun control would always win but the person against gun control wasn't like a fucking idiot you know it wasn't just like a slam dunk contest it was like oh you actually had to win and like the other major problem i have with this movie is the idea that like he like Aronofsky had absolutely no idea how to like articulate his thoughts on this matter so he tried to take all the religious aspects and just like shoehorn in weird horror movie shit to be like well that's the bad guy and J-Law's our hero so of course her point of view is right and it's just really boring because it's like well I get it like I get that it's your point of view but there's nothing interesting about like pretending that like the Jesus character in this movie and turn it into like a horrific cannibal thing like yeah we get it we get that you're not religious like we get your point of view but there's nothing clever about that it, it like and i have ideas for how it could have been done another way we'll, we'll talk more generally first before i get into that but yeah well, i guess I for also, me i yeah. sorry to interrupt but on that point of like you were talking about we understand darren aronofsky's views by watching this film actually one question that i did have and i've seen the movie twice now <laughs> is I still don't understand even if this I I don't know if this movie was pro religion because it could seem that way in parts or anti religion I have I I have no idea to be honest so here's the interesting thing you guys here's the and this maybe and I I will say this and then I think it'll transition well into kind of at least parts of what sure. Carolina wants to talk about <laughs> I think he is very clearly like anti religion but. His way of showing that is to treat the environmentalist character like a piece of shit the whole movie, and J-Law just gets shit on for two hours the entire fucking time, and yeah, I see what you mean, because it's like, like, I, I do think that's ultimately his point of view, but his way of representing that really comes across strange to me. Uh, I don't think that was done well, um, and I think, yeah, like, again, to go, we, we'll even talk about more about technique later, but... The idea that this movie was anything other than just like an interesting drama that they made, like a, just a drama that happened to have interesting subtext, but the idea that they had to go into like supernatural stuff and like weird horror, but it's not a horror movie, like half an hour no, will, will go by with nothing horrific and then there'll be like a jump scare. Like I literally, and like later we can do a fun segment where I just wrote like funny notes at various time codes of things that made me laugh. Because literally, like, a half hour into a movie, there's just a jump scare. And I was like, it oh, is, is this... It's a laughable movie. I was like, is this like... a horror? Is this supposed to be horrific? <laughs> and, like, the Jesus cannibal scene, again, it was such, like, a straw man thing of, like, we get it. Like, you think it's a yeah, cult. Yeah, that was just Jesus for... That was Christ. purely for shock value. Yeah. Very cheap. Anyway, Carol, why don't... I've talked a lot. You can now go. Okay, first of all, I want to comment. Is it obvious that it's anti-religion? Because... Like, his last three movies have all been about religion. Like, he is obsessed with it. I feel like he likes it as a topic, sure. But I feel like he's yeah. not sophisticated about it at all. 
and i do i personally like i got the sense that it very much was like to the point where i mean we have like jennifer lawrence like gets <laughs> raped in the movie she gets beat in the movie she literally dies at the end of the movie and like javier bardem's character is like well I'll just i'll never be satisfied and i just have to do it again and it just seems to me that like having the movie start with her point of view and then like end when she dies and like have it go back in that cyclical sense was like his commentary on like that's like it's like that's supposed to be wrong like it's supposed to be like the the protagonist that like ends up failing not being able to accomplish their goal and we're supposed to sympathize with that that's what i got and like, the like weird the cultish it. yeah it's like the tragedy of it and like the weird cultish shit um and also i, I feel like if he was pro-religion to like put the religious stuff like as the horror aspects but then also to like have such a trivial understanding of it's like it's like when someone like tries to okay let's get off this topic for a quick second but have you guys ever like really really loved like a subject whether it be like let's say video games let's say a franchise whatever you guys really love a subject and then someone comes and tries to have a conversation with you about it and you just know they don't know what the fuck they're talking about and they just like maybe they saw like a youtube video about it and like his take on religion is literally like he learned the bible in catholic school in like grade eight and remembers like four stories and has absolutely no sense for like how to do it in an interesting way or maybe other potential interesting characters and it's so heavy-handed the whole goddamn time like i literally one of the funny texts i sent you guys was like oh adam and eve just got sent out of eden and now cain and abel showed up because it's like how could it be anything else? And, like, that's yeah. the thing. People leaving this movie being like, you didn't like it because you didn't understand it. It's like, no, I liked it because it was so goddamn obvious. But, and this is another one of my problems, is rather than take the idea of, like, religion versus fucking whatever, like, if you want to call it naturalistic explanations for stuff, whatever, rather than take that idea and, like, dramatize it, they were like, well, let's make it a mystery where to make the audience figure out what it is. But then the mystery was bad. So it's like 20 minutes into the movie, it's like, okay, I know what this is. And then it just is that for the rest of the movie. And I think, you know, like, I genuinely believe that they knew that because it's not a horror movie that then ends with, like, an insanely horrific thing for no fucking reason. And I'm like, oh, like, you knew that this movie was a dud and that was the only way you could think. Like, it just, yeah. Anyway, continue, Carol, continue with your thoughts. Yeah, so I saw this movie a couple years ago just on streaming, and I, like, don't know if I entirely paid attention because I don't remember having any strong thoughts, but then I saw it this time and all I had were very strong thoughts, so I just have to assume I didn't pay attention the first time. But, yeah, I watched it with a friend this time, so like you, Marco, it was good to have someone just to, like, be like, wait, are we watching the same thing? Is this... Yeah. Is this insane? Does this make sense? Am I hallucinating? Because it's so, like, off the rails. And I just, like, my primary emotion during it was just, like, anger. Like, I was just really mad yeah. the whole time. No, I, I have a yeah. whole rant written out. We'll get to it. But okay. I just want to also just want to talk about it generally first. Yeah. But, yeah, my notes are insane. It's just, like, the house has a baby, question mark. The house is pregnant? (laughs) (laughs) At the beginning, she always, like, puts her hand to the wall to, like, feel Mm -hmm. it out. Like, 
It's just Yeah, I think that was insane. supposed to be like the house's like heart. Yeah, the yes. house is alive. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I see what you're saying. <laughs> but yeah, it was just insane and also I think somehow the first time I watched it I missed like I mean I knew by the end it was like a religious allegory, but I think maybe I'm not as familiar with religious stories despite going to Catholic school for my whole life. Um, but yeah, upon second rewatch, I was kind of like Marco. I'm like, oh, this is like so obvious. How is there any other take? Like, honestly, if I didn't watch it with my friend Maya, it probably would have also taken me longer to pick up on it just because like even when the annoying doctor kept throwing up and like you, oh they showed God. like the cut in his side and it was the I rib know. to make the woman like I missed that the first time and I'm like oh like of course like he's literally he's handing it to you on a silver platter and I just yep. like love also after we'll probably also talk about it but watching interviews with him and like the round table and he is just so insistent <laughs> that this is the only read like God forbid anyone that is, was like, hilarious to me it's oh my god if he's ever like oh yeah people are like it's about famous people he like gets so angry and yeah. he <laughs> like i don't know why like he's such a character i can't believe i didn't know anything about him until now he is the worst <laughs> <laughs> i hate him and to be fair i've never really seen any of his other movies but like you haven't seen black anytime... swan even no or Requiem. i haven't either but the thing is anytime people Requiem talk either. Yeah, like, anytime people talk about his movies, it's always with this sense of, well, yeah, it's, like, a really important movie that you would, like, watch in film school to learn about technique. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, like, he just, I get it. Like, he was a really good, like, film school student who yeah. continues to make really good film <laughs> school movies. But, yes, him. exactly. That's all this is. Like, that's all this is. Um, and, like, not to diminish, like, film, but it's, like, at, at some point you grow beyond that. Another yeah. thought I had. I just want to quickly say this because there's something I had that I didn't write down and I'm going to forget it. And then, Dan, I will let you go on with your thing. No, but... go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> like, the reason I'm calling... And I don't want to talk too much about him because there's so much to talk about with this movie and I don't want to just shit talk him. But I guess, like, part of what really bothers me about him specifically is that if you look at other filmmakers, so let's say... You mean um, filmmakers? Yeah, like actual filmmakers. <laughs> no, but if you... Darren Aronofsky. Like, the two I want to point out well let's do like nolan let's just talk about christopher nolan like christopher nolan's first film following i don't know if you guys know anything about this movie um, i have not seen it Never it was like his it. <laughs> it was like his first like post film school movie i think but it was basically still a film school movie and it was made on like a whatever four thousand like it was a no budget movie um gotcha. and if you look at that movie and i haven't watched it but like i know about it i've like read reviews about it um in that movie, it has all the things that we know as, like, Nolan tropes, right? Of, like, playing with time, playing with the editing, putting things out of order. Very Nolan-y, like, trope things. Mm -hmm. But what's so interesting about him and why he's, like, a filmmaker is that as his movies progress, even though he maintains, like, that thing that makes him him, he's always, like, adding layers on top of it. You know what I mean? And it's, it's making it more complex and it's also, like, fleshing out his storytelling and like learning new things so if you look at like batman begins the action in that movie is directed like shit but then by the time you get to like inception or dark knight the action is way better directed because it's like he's he, again he's learning from it and yeah. he's like improving his tools and what really gets me about our boy darren is that <laughs> our boy. i feel like he has one thing which is his thing that he graduated film school with which is like really pretentious 
whatever like up to your interpretation style of filmmaking and it just seems like he's not really like done the thing of adding layers on top of that where it's like if you told me this was his first film right after film school i'd be like yeah like probably like that's exactly what this feels like to me it feels like a film school student with money and actors Um, feels like a senior project yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, yeah he a good was, mark, probably, because he yeah, like, includes yeah. all the classic elements of a film you need. But no, yeah, I see what you mean, for sure. Well, I mean, even that's debatable, but I still <laughs> think you'd get a really good mark for a... I, you would, you would get a good mark. will give his opinion. Yeah. Um, Dan, yeah, go on, Dan. I want to I get your thoughts, not just, like, obviously, like, your second time around, but just in general. Okay, so there's two... There's a couple things I want to quickly touch on, like, one thing each that you guys mentioned. So, um... I first, I just want to say, Carol, I'm in the same boat of, like, in the sense that the first time I saw it, which was a few years ago, I understood, like, coming out of the theater that it was, like, a religious allegory. I didn't quite get, like, like literally the Bible from start to beginning, like, yeah. retelling of that. <laughs> I did, un- but I did understand that it was a religious allegory, and I had to, like, look some stuff up afterwards. And then the second time I watched it, which was just last night, because I was, like, seriously putting it off for this episode. Yeah. Um, but Fair. the second time I watched it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like, yeah, how could it? How could I not have seen this the first time? And I just, there were so many times when, like, I actually, I just laughed out loud because, <laughs> like, the first thing that comes to mind <laughs> that I want to talk about is when, okay, when... How, Javier Bardem, who plays God. I mean, it's so, it's weird calling these characters by their names because they're not actually characters. And I want to talk about that later because, yeah. like, yeah. I want to talk well, about they call film them characters. Him and mother, so it's hard. Let's just yeah, call them okay. by, their Jesus, by their Bible counterparts. All right. It, so, just, we all know who we're talking about. Like, <laughs> for me, one of the funniest parts is when God expels Adam and Eve from Eden, which is <laughs> yeah. just Javier Bardem silently pointing (laughs) for them (laughs) to get out of his study because i didn't mention in the synopsis but in that very thin literal plane of the movie where it's not like where you don't have to look at them as bible characters javier bardem plays a writer a poet if you will (laughs) um and like his writings are creation and whatever so his study is like eden so when um the adam and eve character is break the quote-unquote forbidden fruit which is like this gem in his office it's just hilarious to me when he like it's so forced he's just like he, he faces the ground and silently points them out of the office and that's just i think that's my favorite part of the movie to be honest um i that, that but, made me laugh too i got a good laugh from that <laughs> and also sorry to cut you off just now oh, go it ahead. clicked to me that when he kicked them out and then Jennifer Lawrence like walks in on them having sex, it's because they had to procreate to make the sons to show up later. Right. Uh, yeah, oh, I, by the way. Isn't that uh, so deep? So I have a note annoying. on your note. <laughs> My tangent from your tangent is that I made a note at that part of the movie that was like, did Tommy Wiseau direct this movie? Because the way their sex scene is shot, I don't know if it's oh like anatomically God. possible. Like it, they're, they're fully clothed. He's like laying on his back. She's sitting upright, like 90 degrees yeah. to him. Like 
I, sh- I don't know. I don't know what's happening. And also, there's other. There's a couple other points before that throughout the movie where they just start randomly making out, and it's just yeah. that's another <laughs> like that's just it was just played yeah. so horribly. It's it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about um, was actually I can't remember what the other thing I wanted to talk about was because I'm thinking about that that <laughs> pointing scene still. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's so good, dude. <laughs> shit maybe it'll okay maybe it'll come back to me but no worries we can move on to something else and come i'm sure we have a lot to discuss there's so much to discuss so um let me let me think about something else that i want to i want to point out there's so much worth pointing out in this movie um okay so i guess i guess let me talk about let's go on to the idea like dan and i were kind of talking about about like story structure obviously like as we, we've mentioned before but i think for me especially like, I definitely come at movies from more of, like, a story structure perspective. That's probably because I, like, got into movies based on adaptations of, like, books and comic books. So I was always, like, a bookworm. So I was very much a structuralist. Then got into movies from that um, and kind of stayed in movies. But that's still what I look for, really. Um, and I can, like, appreciate whatever artistic technique. Like, sure. But at the end of the day, like, a movie, you know, it should function a certain way. Um, it's something Dan and I have talked like at length about is the idea that you can't make a movie that's a giant metaphor because by definition, like a metaphor needs to have a literal aspect that it's like then representing something else. Like a metaphor has to be connected to a literal thing. Um, and I think that's another part of where this movie fails is that there is no literal story. Like the literal story just is the metaphor, which is nothing, which is then where... And I think this is where it starts to fall apart is because if you're going to do that, then the only way to get some of the shit across is to have supernatural stuff happen. So then by definition, it becomes this weird horror, not horror movie, um, which is really like to the movie's detriment to me. Like I still I stand by that. Um, Yes. And that's a great point, because what I wanted to add was theoretically, like any functioning movie, any functioning script should be like a metaphor like every script has to have that level and this script does and then the other thing that a script has to have it has to have the literal part and this script does not have that so like for some reason darren aronofsky thinks this is such a clever deep script he's only made half of a script (laughs) right there's there is nothing clever about what is being done here like at all and it this movie thinks that like itself is just the most clever thing ever created and i think that's what bothers me the most about it yeah i'm with you on that i think um yeah one of the more frustrating things for me definitely is the idea that you're totally right like every story at its core and i mean forget movies every story at its core but like in particular movies has like two planes of action in terms of like it has like, a lot of people refer to it as, like, the inner journey and the outer journey, right? So the outer journey would be, like, the literal plot, and then the inner journey is, like, what the movie's about. So if yeah. you look at, like, any good movie, like, just pick one. Literally or pick any, one. Or any, not even any good movie. Like just a movie. Any movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, just if you, so, like, let's go Social Network. Like, Social Network is literally about the creation of Facebook. Social Network is about the deterioration of a friendship, you know? And right. like yes. 
like that's what that movie's about like the climax of that movie isn't him like pressing enter and facebook goes live <laughs> the climax of that movie yeah. is like eduardo coming and breaking the laptop on his desk and being like fuck you like we're not friends anymore i'm gonna sue you for everything like yeah anyway. it's the devolving of a, a human being that's what yeah. that movie's really about yeah and you're totally like that is it's not just a movie that wants to have metaphor you're right like that is the basis of any structure of anything ever period it has to be it has to be so yeah and you i know? also remembered oh, yeah. sorry i just i remembered what the other thing that i wanted to talk about before it's not really about the movie itself but i when i watched the uh, round table interview <laughs> i just wanted to make a note maybe this is just me but i actually like this is the first time i saw darren aronofsky like be mm-hmm. like too. i've actually seen him yeah and i guess i kind of like when he started talking in the interview i kind of liked him a little bit more than his work portrayed him to be i guess interesting like then then the picture i had of him after i had watched mother sure i don't know maybe it was just the way like he was getting along with the other writers but he seemed slightly less pretentious than his movies i just yeah. wanted to say that i, I, I have don't a, know how you guys feel about that. i have a thought about that as well um my thought about that and then i'll let carol talk is that <laughs> i agree with you that he didn't seem super pretentious however what he did seem to me was just like a generic white guy oh for sure yeah who it's just like i don't know why he was there and i point this out i point this out endless and i want to say something here and i want to be very clear about something i don't want to mince words right oh god people when people talk about when minorities talk about like representation in like the film community both in like the acting world but also in the production world I feel like the generic white guy response to that is, oh, so like Martin Scorsese shouldn't be allowed to make movies anymore? And it's like, no, talented people should be allowed to make movies. But like Darren, to me, is the epitome, like the definition of just like a person who would not have a career if he wasn't just a generic straight white guy. Do you know what I mean? Like there is nothing about him that screams multi-million dollar film screenwriter and director he is a good film school student who should have went on to do just whatever film school students who don't go into hollywood do you know what i mean like he could have a perfectly reasonable job doing something very reasonable no harm to him yeah but it's i think like, he should have been a director <laughs> the idea that yeah well the idea that like we all know and i would say the general population knows who like darren aronofsky is like, if you say his name, people are like, oh, yeah, that, like, uh, he's made some famous movies. But someone like Patty Jenkins, it took her literally making Wonder Woman to get, like, name recognition, even though she's made a bunch of other shit. And also, like, yeah. even still, even still, if you said, like, do you know who Patty Jenkins is? Most people would be like, no. But if you said, do you know yeah, who Darren Aronofsky is? so unfortunate. Is? It's like, yeah, it's ridiculous to me. Anyway, Carol... Go ahead. Have some more thoughts on this movie. <laughs> yes. I guess also with the round table, I did not expect him to sound the way he sounded. Like, I don't know why. Yeah. But you hear his name, and I think, okay, a German man. And then I see him, <laughs> and I'm like, a French hipster? But then he just has the most just, like, New York, plain like... white American dude voice ever. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I agree. He doesn't, like, really live up to seeming super pretentious if anything like almost he sounded a little like dumb <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. even like it's when he was t- okay just for reference i don't think we ever explained we're referring to it's one of the hollywood reporter roundtables for 
what was it directors writers i can't remember i think it was writers. screen writers because sorkin was yeah. in it so was jordan peele also yeah. can we just take one second that he was in a round table with jordan peele and aaron sorkin <laughs> for screenwriting yeah. okay yeah. carol continue yeah and at one point he literally goes yeah you know how in the movie mother the baby died it's literally only because i saw this one viral video of tourists carrying around a baby dolphin <laughs> to take pictures with it and then it died he like he could have made it something so deep and he was like no i saw this video and i wanted to incorporate it that's it like i could not believe that that was his one and only inspiration for that scene because it was such that like, is a the epitome moment. of his thought process yeah, yeah. No, that like that one thing explains everything to me like i get it all now it doesn't make me like him or hate him anymore but just like i guess it makes sense now but yeah, yeah. that's that's who he is yeah so this movie um, made me mad maybe i'll get into my rant now because you guys talked yeah for go a while, for it so now i can uh i can, I can yeah, yeah. oh yeah <laughs> lay it on us lay it on i'm excited me this too. movie made me and my friend feel like we were absolutely insane i don't want to like be that one girl who like took a feminism in media course and now think i'm like a professional but like that's probably what it's gonna sound like but this movie is just like it's fucked up towards women like it just sucks to watch as a woman like you guys like alluded to it like it's obviously not hidden but just like i get that it's a biblical allegory and like a lot of the stories that it references were during times that like weren't great for women and arguably like no times are great for women but like even just talking about like like clothing decisions and filming decisions like there is yep. no reason for Jennifer Lawrence to start the movie in a 100% sheer nightgown dude no I, woman wears that to, to bed <laughs> <laughs> if I look at my first note on this notepad and you guys can confirm here is was seeing J-Law's nips worthwhile, question mark, important, question mark. That was my first, because I was like, oh God, what are we doing here? What is happening? Anyway, continue. It started with that and I was like, oh, here we fucking go. Um, But yeah, there's no need for that. No woman wears that to bed. Like I get like, basically it's just God's creation and she's just there to serve Javier Bardem. So like, whatever, maybe that's what he wants, but just like, not a good start. Like, most women were gonna wear like a t-shirt and some ratty ass shorts to bed but not that that wasn't the worst part but then you like even skip ahead to when she's getting beaten up by the worshippers and then her boobs pop out oh my god there's no reason for that there's literally no need like at the end like i get you had to like tear out her heart okay you'll see a boob fine but like when she's just getting beaten up by the people why just why I don't know. Very frustrating. Yeah, that was that was a disgusting scene. Also, also I liked how a we lot jumped of it over was the disgusting. part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I really like how we jumped over the part where she gets raped in the middle of the movie. Yeah, um, we definitely. Which need also to like, acknowledge that, and I will acknowledge a lot of this stuff when I do my pitch to fix this movie later. But and listen, like, and you're saying like not to seem like a girl who took a like feminism and film whatever. The truth of the matter is. Like, just as, like, a me, generic white dude guy who has not taken a class like that or anything. Like, I was just watching this movie and it was like, this is fucking weird. Like, I don't know how anyone can watch this movie and not be like, why is she being filmed this way? Like, and also, like, isn't there a better way to get the point of this across without having to literally show her be abused the entire, like, 
two hours of this movie and there's not like one frame of it where she's not being emotionally or physically abused the entire fucking movie absolutely yep continue with your rant carol yeah but also to go back with the like rape scene i mean i i she didn't explicitly give consent but it was obvious that she had been trying to be intimate with him for a while and he wasn't having it like allowing that and then michelle pfeiffer comes in and keeps bringing it up and bringing it up and bringing it up so like obviously there was still no consent so it was unconsensual sex but i don't think it was necessarily like a violent egregious like rape scene you know what sure. i mean sure it's to, not like your traditional yeah to your you know, point scene i know what you're saying i i, I get what you're yeah. saying my takeaway from it and what i felt so weird about it was is that where it happens in the movie this is supposed to be like the euphoric moment before everything then goes to shit yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was weird to me the way it was filmed. Like, just the way that scene was put together. Where it's like, it's not... Whether or not it's, like, technically rape, but it was just, like, the way it was shot and the way it was put together and how abruptly it happens. I was yeah. like, this doesn't feel in any sense... It's uncomfortable. Like, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It was just an uncomfortable scene in the movie. And, and I was I like... Mean, I, the, whole, I, the whole thing was uncomfortable. Like, the whole movie. Sure. <laughs> it was even more uncomfortable than yeah. the yeah, baseline yeah. of uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, it stood out to me as, like, this yeah. is weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that—that's just why I didn't include it in my my male gaze notes. I'm not saying yeah, yeah. it wasn't a rape or it was a rape, but like that's just why. It wasn't I got you. Um, Listen, there's so much worse. I know. I got you. Just. <laughs> but yeah, like so, just in less of like a, a male gaze cinematography standpoint, just like seeing a woman created just to like dote on this man and the home and like her whole purpose is eventually to save him. Like sucked. Like, watching her just stuck in that house, like, cooking and cleaning and renovating and being, like, yeah. quote-unquote happy to do it when he, like, so clearly did not give a shit about her or her feelings or anything she did was just, like, so fresh. Like, it made me feel physically, like, in pain. Like, I was just so annoyed. I, like, was in pain. And I was, like, watching with my friend and just yelling and, like, I know that it's mostly, like, our friends listening to this podcast, but, like, I feel like if some other man ever watches this he'd be like oh my god this girl's like ranting about nothing but it's just like so annoying to see a woman it's not nothing it's not nothing dude dan and i are straight white guys who are here to tell you this was (laughs) like it was yeah like we were watching this movie like what the hell is happening right now like is this actually the the decision like process you've gone this is the road you've gone down to get your point across about environmentalism is this like yeah no, exactly. And it was that then followed by, like, the, a revolution occurring in their house with, like, women trapped in cages and shit. Yeah. <laughs> it was just so insane. And, like, I think at the end, seeing him, like, literally rip her heart out of her chest, implying that, like, as a stereotypical mother, she has to, like, still have love for him because a mother's love is, like, unconditional and never-ending and was just so, so unsatisfying. Cause, like, I know that it's, like, obviously it's a religious allegory and it's all in his head and it's all his interpretations and it's never really implied that it's all this like fake fantastical world but like obviously it is because that stuff's not going to happen in any kind of reality but like 
man, just, it's so, fr- to see her just beat up on and beat up on and then to never actually get any redemption was so annoying. And, like, I get if she's Mother Earth, like, obviously we're beating her up and she isn't getting redemption, but, like, eventually when all of the humans die, like, she will. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. But it was just, it was so, yeah. And especially for a person, like, we've discussed, like, I everything I watch my opinion of it is largely based on just how it makes me feel this just i oh i was just so angry the whole time and normally my go-to feeling is sadness but this time it was like just i was mad and i already yelled about this so much with my friend maya but it was just nice to like write it out again and yell about it again i feel a little bit better i'm not gonna say i like the film or mr aronofsky but i feel better so okay i'm glad you feel better at least i'm glad this was at least therapeutic I'm going to address some stuff in that, and then I'm going to give my pitch for what I think would have worked better, and then uh, we'll get your guys' thoughts. We'll let Jan, Dan jump in some more here. I know you and I, Carol yeah, and I are yeah, kind of yeah. hogging the floor because we've just seen this for the first time. Or, I mean, I guess I mean, Carol's technically seen it before, but, like, she didn't really remember it. Um, yeah, I don't remember Okay, anything, so though. to what you're saying, I 100% agree um, about her just being, like, beat down the whole movie. And it's weird because because I think... I think, like, I think he does it on purpose, so that way by the end of the movie you sympathize with the idea of, like, Mother Earth and, like, look what we're doing to Mother Earth. Like, that's clearly his, I I think, his message. The frustrating thing is that because it's not done in a narrative way, because the whole thing is just a metaphor, like, he designed it to be this way. It's stylistically designed to be a movie (laughs) where a woman gets beat on for two hours. And it's like, you could not think of one better way to do a movie about environmentalism than that. And then the <laughs> Honestly, other and the yeah. other problem I have, and this is going to like lead into my pitch to fix it, is like it, it it's frustrating to me to go back to the idea of like this uh, like a straw man argument versus actually having your side win in like a proper debate. Like it seems like he doesn't know anything about the New Testament. <laughs> but like he desperately wanted to include stuff from the New Testament because here's what ha- like his New Testament stuff is like she's Mother Earth, but then she's also Mary because she gets pregnant with Jesus. But then like the God character writes the New Testament while she's pregnant, which doesn't make sense because it should be that like <laughs> after all the crazy shit happens and after the baby is eaten and whatever, then he would write the book and then he would get famous if like that's what you wanted to do. But it's like, no, I guess he writes it when she gets pregnant. So right there, it's like you've complete... Like, for a movie that's entirely metaphor, you fucked it up. You immediately <laughs> fucked it up. Like, you just completely didn't understand what you were doing. Well, but then- okay. On that point, I just... I wanted to say how I perceived it was he writes and then it manifests. So, okay. like... Okay. He's, he's the creator. So he, like... He's the poet. He writes what happens and then it happens in sure. the movie. You know? I, so okay. He wrote that it doesn't excuse. Revolution? Listen, that's not an excuse for the quality of this film. That is so. fair. That's a fair point. I still think because okay, because he's a character because like the god character is a character in the reality of this, and it, we're seeing it happen in a linear way. I still feel like it would make more sense for him to write it after. If no, you're it, really... w- it would make more sense for him to write it after. You're right. But I, I do get what you're saying. I guess that also works as an interpretation of it. Um, sure. 
<laughs> the other so the other thing I want to point out though is like how weird everything gets because the movie is supposed to be about how what do you mean like thoughts are like normal yeah the movie is the movie is about how like mother nature is just happy being with god like for mother nature as long as it's just the existence of like the house which is the earth or whatever that's enough right but then she doesn't flip out and give up and be like i have no love left to give until after jesus died which would be like a mary thing but it completely mixes the metaphor because like for her like the point of no return should be like the initial human do you know what i mean the movie should be about it, it is it worthwhile to have humans or not and then once god decides to have humans that's the point at which it's like that's the end but the initial humans weren't technically an issue like but like if you're gonna do a movie like thematically for me yeah like not that the initial humans are an issue but if you were gonna do this type of movie and have the idea be like we both know where this is gonna go and we both know how this is gonna end and have god be all well it's worthwhile this is the point of existence and mother nature be like no it's not yeah to me, that's, like, a stronger thematic thing than having this weird mixed thing where she ends up being Mary and then, like, for some reason only gets mad after, like, Jesus dies, except, like, <laughs> she doesn't want humans in the first place because the entire first half of the movie, her house is getting fucked up anyway, so it's, like, yeah. so that that's weird. Yeah, and I hadn't thought about that until now, actually, but her whole problem is humans on Earth, a.k.a. people in her home. Yeah. But when she has, she wants to actively have a baby, which would be a human yeah. on the Earth. Yeah. It doesn't so make... that really doesn't make any sense. You're right. So here's my solution, okay? And I also right. just I want to point out one more thing before we get to my solution, which is, as we were talking about with, like, could you not think of a better way to show all this? Yeah. The idea that his representation of Mother Earth and nature is a woman taking care of a house is, like, how did that... <laughs> How did anyone think that was a good idea? How was that approved? How how did literally anyone hear that pitch and be like, oh yeah, this won't be a problem. This is totally notorious for just like getting his way anyway. You know what I mean? Like he said so many times that he just like doesn't let critics see it or he like will tell his initial pitch and then someone will buy it because he's Darren Aronofsky and why not? They trust him. And then he just like does what he wants. So, yeah, and that is, seems believable yeah. to me anyway because, like, that's that is not the worst thing that has been approved by even modern Hollywood. So yeah, no, it it, it just it's blows really my not mind. a surprise to me at all. Yeah, yeah. it's so horrible. Here, here's my um, here's my partial solution to this. If you want, so starting starting from the premise of I want to do a movie that is metaphorical for like, is the purpose of life just to have like natural life, or is like the biblical purpose of life? in any way like true like is humanity important is it not whatever if you want to do that movie regardless of how you want to have the outcome be um here's here's how you do it better first of all get rid of all the supernatural shit it's not needed and it just creates a straw man it it just distracts from the actual ideas you're talking about here's how it would work okay you can pick a holiday let's say let's just do christmas if you want to be really heavy-handed about it you know what i mean (laughs) we're really driving home so like harvey r and J-Law are a husband and wife, okay? They have a son. The son is married. and Their son and daughter have one son in jail, one son who's dead, okay? We can set this all up in the first act. They all come for Christmas, 
and one of let's say one of like a family friend also comes for christmas so the movie is just a drama that takes place in this household at christmas but like the central like premise of the drama and how we like show the difference between like religious belief and naturalistic belief is like Javier Bardem and J-Law's relationship is like falling apart is deteriorating and like as the movie goes on we find out that like the central point of like why everything is starting to go to shit is that he really wanted to have a kid and she didn't like she was perfectly happy for their relationship to thus be just them two but like he fundamentally believes like the purpose of a marriage is to have children so okay so then their son is adam okay rather than do some weird shit where eve literally is like a temptress that like <laughs> fucks things up you just have her metaphorically be eve because because she's like from an outside family that maybe like javier bardem and j-law don't like let's just say that you know what i mean so that's who his son is married to their kids obviously cain and abel one killed the other one's in jail for it and so you get this like multi-layered story about like parenting and the purpose of relationships where it's like the the central relationship of mother earth and god is falling apart but then like adam and eve have a different perspective because one of their sons killed the other so they have a different perspective on it and then their friend that's also come to this can be symbolic for moses he can be like adopted so he can have the perspective of someone who's adopted okay so you just you condense it to like just the old testament not even the whole Old testament you condense it to like genesis and exodus just those characters if you don't want to have the adopted friend who's moses fuck it fuck exodus you just you <laughs> condense it to genesis you just have this generational thing of like various parents and their feelings on that and you just make that movie and just make an interesting family drama that's about where like them trying to figure out what the purpose of a marriage is is it to have kids or is it to be happy can then like be metaphoric for what's the purpose like is it biblical or naturalistic and then obviously like it's not heavy-handed right like there's no scene where eve shows up and like literally tempts adam with a thing and then they get kicked out of the house it's just like well she's from a family that they don't like so that's your connection to eve anyway so that's like my thing it's like you get rid of the superstitious stuff you put the metaphor on top of like a family drama that people can understand and like the the primary goal of something is just to be interesting so if we let's say this movie exists and we all see it as long as the family drama is interesting if you don't pick up on the metaphor for environment environmentalism like no big fucking deal like you just watched a movie and it was entertaining if you do like some thinking about it and you realize like oh okay i guess that makes sense that like that's that's their grandchildren are like Cain and abel and it all works and yeah you tie all this together great um but like the biggest problem with mother and like it doesn't have to be that i'm just saying like that's that's one possible way to start from the same premise right. and like make something that's more interesting because like the biggest problem with mother was in order to make like the way they chose to execute it it's like we have an interesting premise and we're going to execute it in like a pseudo horror movie with like weird stuff that happens like every half hour but then the rest of the movie is a drama but then no one has a character um and it's just nothing it's just nothing it's not anything but marco in your version how does Kristen wig show up to execute a bunch of people you know what i mean like it just doesn't <sighs> <Listen>. work <laughs> well i know unfortunately we're gonna have to make some cuts of some actors <laughs> but that's the best part but i think it'll be i forgot sense. about that i just it's, watched it last night and i actually forgot about that already scene in my Dude. head <laughs> and also like again like 
like she kills six people and then she's like let's look for six more and i'm like we get it the 12 apostles we get it oh my god and also like what does that even mean like what does it mean like okay cool you made a reference to the 12 apostles thanks okay but How does I this think have anything that to do fun little fun little easter egg there guys yeah yeah it's an easter movie nothing makes sense you know what i mean like they drop those very obvious it easter gets batshit like, crazy like there's just too much to even follow like i'm sure if you like tried to track every single event that happened like i'm sure it all means something but just when you're watching it it's just like okay people are in cages people are shooting each other there's cops there's not cops there's blood there's people with bags or like you truly like can't just can't follow anything that's going on i can yeah like i can see the ign video now where it's like top 20 easter eggs you didn't catch (laughs) in in mother mother. it's like did you know that (laughs) the doctor (laughs) is adam (laughs) well it's also like (laughs) and i guess like that's the frustrating part and like what i tried to really address like in in my like possible fixes we don't need to go through the whole Bible. Yeah. Like, your movie is thematically about, is human life important or not? Like, that's thematically what your movie's yeah. about. So all you need to worry about is, like, the first generations of human life. Like, you literally, only you need to worry about is, like, if you want to do the Bible stuff, I mean, like, if you really want to do the whole Old Testament, like, go ahead. But, like, you really just need Genesis. And it's, like, you take that as your starting point. You take, like... Adam and Eve being, or like Adam, let's say in this example, being born as your starting point. And then you just like create an interesting story from that. And the interesting part isn't like weird supernatural shit. It's like the debate between these two characters about like what the purpose of life is. Like that's what would make this movie interesting. But instead, you know what we get? We get freaking Jayla looks in the toilet and there's like a weird floaty thing in there. Okay, yeah, what was that? Oh. Is that his rib? Is that supposed to be his rib? I don't know. It looked like fleshy, though. I think it was supposed to be, like, yeah. I think it was one of my questions I have for you guys. Because this is something that the internet cannot agree on. There's many things the internet can agree on. I have lots of questions. I want to hear all of your opinions. But yeah, well, that's my first one. I don't know what so I want. We should, well, we should do your questions. And then also, my notes are all just time codes with funny things. So we, to end this <laughs> off, we could just read my time codes of funny things. Because they're pretty that. funny. Um, okay, great. So yeah, flushing yeah, the toilet. What do you think, Dan? What's your theory? Um, so pouring more wine. If you hear that in the recording. <laughs> you know. um, oh yeah, Carolyn Marco are uh, drinking for this. We had to, and man. I don't blame I them. It was the only way. It was the only way. <laughs> I'm so sorry um, for suggesting this. <laughs> Tell me oh Dan yeah, I wanted to mention it, too. I suggested this episode, and yeah. I just want to say, if it's any consolation. <laughs> After rewatching last night, I completely regretted it. Not for this conversation, but for the preparation part. Yeah, I yeah. just want to um, say, I made you guys watch Lord of the Rings and Fleabag. Yeah, I feel really bad. You I guys made me watch bad. Mother. Yeah. So, it's yeah. okay. Next week will be fun. But, yeah, um, we'll talk about it. But... Anyway, Dan, um, what's, yeah, what's your know. theory of the flesh? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it must be something. It, it's got to be something related to Adam's rib because he was like throwing up in that yeah. toilet the night before and that's yeah. when you see the the mark by his rib that would that would be my guess me too but if his rib was used to make eve it shouldn't be in the toilet <laughs> that's true it's, but it's i mean none of this movie makes yeah, literal the, sense anyway so yeah why would eve be 
like alive and already married to him like they're not meeting for the first time so like you can't think of it too hard it's just a visual that's supposed to make you think of something so here's one question i had though is what is that what's the stuff that jennifer lawrence keeps drinking like she keeps mixing it into the the water there's like this glowing yellow liquid or whatever that she a couple like a couple times throughout the movie she like mixes it into a, a drink or like a glass of water and drinks it i don't know what that's supposed to be alluding to I need to so I wanted to ask you guys. Darren Aronofsky in an interview said, this is the one thing he is taking to his grave. He will not tell anyone what the yellow liquid Okay, is. so there's no, he doesn't have the answer. Yeah. That's what he's saying. Okay. That makes Just me feel better. Just to say that before right. we give our thoughts. There is no this answer. This was a hack. This was such a bland movie visually that he was like, we need something to spice this we up. We need color. We need color. We need some color in this movie of brown. <laughs> But I mean, good for him because he did carry the yellow theme throughout. Like the walls were yellow, the light in the fridge was even like the same color yellow. I'll give him that. He to be fair, though, that most of that's important. probably done by most of that's done by the production designer and like the cinematographer and stuff. Well, I was gonna say maybe he like requested it, but I don't know. No, we know he did. Well, he, he could have. You're right. Yeah, no. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I just fully disagree with that. <laughs> Um, okay, more questions. Who's got questions? This is question oh, no, but time. with the yellow, I did do some research to, like, what people thought. Like, initially when I saw it, I was like, okay, it's, like, some anti-anxiety if we're taking it literally. Because, um, like, I don't know what other purpose it would serve. I don't recall any specific yellow liquid being mentioned in the Bible or in the history of the Earth. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what that's supposed to be. No idea at all. But a bunch of people on the internet have compared it to um, this short story by Charlotte Perkins Gilman called The Yellow Wallpaper because it's about a woman suffering from postpartum depression and the her husband thinks she's just insane and like locks her in this house to like deal with it. And it's a house with yellow wallpaper which seems like probably an obvious allusion to it unless it was just a coincidence but that kind of seems far, far-fetched. And so, like, the whole story is just, like, she's trapped in this house and eventually goes crazy. And it was in a time where, like, you couldn't, like, as a woman, be depressed or have anxiety or anything. It's just, like, a slight hysterical tendency. Um, And so it's just about her, like, thinking, like, imagining a woman behind the wallpaper and then eventually, like, becoming the woman behind the wallpaper. But, yeah, so people are thinking it's kind of like that because it is a woman trapped in a home with yellow wallpaper. But that could just be a crazy coincidence. I don't know. I feel like it is a coincidence because this movie isn't... It's not nearly progressive. Like, it's fake progressive. It's not nearly actually progressive enough. Dan, I was going to say the exact same thing. I was like, there's no goddamn way that this guy who used every excuse to get J-Law topless in this movie was also like, yeah, let's reference this really progressive thing. They were dating in real life. Yeah, we should mention that. I was, I was like, how could you film this movie, which is so, like, anti-woman, and then date him? And also, he kept saying this bullshit about, like, the only people who, like, really got the film were, like, women, and, like, women directors, and women producers, and women writers. And right. I'm like, really? Like, maybe I'm not, like, artsy <laughs> enough, but, like, I can't imagine seeing this and being like, oh, I get it. Like, Darren, you're so smart. Like, no, fuck you. Like, yeah. like D- Darren, thanks for telling me how horrible life can be. Yeah. 
but exactly. he kept insisting like women get it and i'm like okay i get it but i'm not fucking happy like <laughs> yes exactly well that's also like not to keep harping on this point but like why is this like this movie became about whether or not you get it yeah and it's so frustrating because it's like if a movie takes like one maybe two viewings to get it's not a did you get it movie yeah you know what i mean like you can't make that the draw of your movie when it's so fucking obvious anyway let's just move on another question yeah another question what why is the doctor aka adam so sick the whole time was adam i also had that question (laughs) did i miss that um i think it may have to do with I think throughout the movie, and he doesn't do it technically chronologically, because you would mm-hmm. like the the plagues happen in Exodus, yeah. which is like long after Genesis, which is where all the Adam stuff happens. Mm-hmm. But they kind of stagger the twelve plagues throughout the movie a little bit, um, not when it would, because if you had all the twelve plagues take place at once, that would be too obvious. You know what I mean? <laughs> it would be like, oh, the twelve plagues. Um, and I think one of the plagues has to do with like thirst. Mm. Um, and that's why he's like super like quenched and thirsty and like feeling sick. I I think I think that's what that is. And if it's not that, then I don't know. Can't <laughs> tell you. But I guess the thing like the other funny thing is like all these questions they're not relevant. They wouldn't make the movie better. <laughs> like there is no answer to this question that would make me go, "Darren, you got me." Like Most thank you for making such are a just masterpiece. Like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Like why would he do why that? Why something? Yeah. I think I think because, like, he very obviously was, like, it's this, like, whole allegory. And so I think I went into it being, like, okay, there's everything has to mean something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, even when Jennifer Lawrence goes down to the basement and finds, like, the big room that eventually, like, has the, like, gas thing that she uses to set the house on fire. Like, there's a frog in the basement. And in my notes, I'm, like, what does the frog mean? But, like, probably fucking nothing. Like, it's a plague I thing, think, like, the locust-type yeah. business. Yeah, 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 But, like, yeah, yeah. a frog isn't locust, you know what I mean? Like, just, if you've been so think, obvious about everything up to this point, why don't you just put, like, yeah. a fucking, like, grasshopper in there, you know what I mean? I am... Which would also make more sense than having a frog yeah. in the basement, too. I how think... how do survive? I think... <laughs> and keep in mind, I am... I haven't taken a religion class now in, like, six years. Do but you know? I think one of the plagues has something to do with frogs. Yeah, I think it does, but okay. but again, like you were yeah, saying, none of this matters. Yeah, yeah. No, true. none of it matters. None of it matters. N- n- this movie is nothing. It doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> this oh. movie doesn't matter. You're right. <laughs> I have a question. I have a question. Can we please talk about my favorite thing in this movie? Are you going to talk about the floor? Which is yes. Can we talk about the vagina <laughs> oh. and the floorboard? What in the fuck? Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> also, I like. How is she that what put it's supposed to be though? Like in the room with the vagina and the yeah. the, the death dan i can't it has to be what else is it what else would it be why does it i mean be- i was just that's a good point i always just took it as like the house fall, beginning to fall apart but maybe maybe you could be right about that i just don't know why else you would have like 16 cutbacks to it and why would it, <laughs> it would only stay that shape like it has to be that but again <laughs> does it matter does it matter if we know the answer, is no, it supposed no. to be like? Uh... Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I never oh, thought the vagina until you said the li- so. Well, it so has to. Ahead, it, it, yeah, me neither. It, it just daring exploiting women as per usual. It has to be. 
<laughs> does I can't does the lighter fall through that? So like Adam brings a lighter because he's a yeah. smoker, which is another thing that doesn't make like I don't understand. Like that leads to his coughing, but again, that doesn't matter. Yeah. But anyway, he, th- he this character has a lighter and doesn't it fall through that hole at some point? I thought I she remember. knocked it behind a dresser. I don't think it fell through the floor. But like it must have if she had it to light it on fire, no? I don't, yeah, I, I didn't like pay that much attention yeah. to it. Is that the Again, only reason? I've seen this movie twice and like even like the plot details I I can't. Cuz she like covers the hole with a rug part. eventually. So I don't think yeah. the lighter fell through the hole. Oh yeah, and then they they fix up the hole and then it comes back later anyway. So Yeah, I do right. remember like when the blood originally came through the hole and then like the, that light bulb exploded. I have a note that said <laughs> cuz obviously I was looking for meaning and everything. So I was like it's one of those films. I was like when the light bulb exploded, the blood on the wall <laughs> formed a sad face. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so you know bad things are coming, guys. I think that was supposed to be another plague thing, like the the skies went red or whatever, and like the water oh becomes God. blood. I think that's blood what that's supposed to be. Blood on the wall made a sad face. So, let me ask you guys a question about this floorboard vagina. Oh um, I can't get it. It's it's perplexing to me. So, it it's there's like blood around it at one point, right? Yeah. And then there isn't, but then there yeah. is again. Yeah. Okay. Stick with me. Oh God. Does the timing of it make sense with her getting pregnant, like, in between periods or something? Like, is this supposed to be a metaphor for, like, menstruation? Like, is that what this is supposed to be? Because, no, I'm genuinely, I need to understand what is the point of any of this. I don't know. That's that's a great question. Back when she's setting up the nursery, but, like, still at that point, she wouldn't have a period again because she's pregnant. Yes, so that doesn't make sense. No. But like, so I'm sorry, why? I don't why does think it's menstruation. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what else could it? What? I I don't know. I have no idea. I don't, maybe it's like foreshadowing for like the death to come because it comes from death, and then there's that period where like she's pregnant, and everything's idyllic again, and then when the blood starts to show up again, very shortly after is when all the worshippers come. So maybe it's maybe. just like a death is coming again because like then there's yeah, like it could a just be like death. a general like a know. supernatural omen or whatever. It might not be phallic. Yeah, <laughs> like, or like her a house thing. response to her dad. <laughs> yeah, know, like I mean, her he's house so definitely pro-women. reflects. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. I, I don't know if you guys have more like little questions like that, which we can definitely uh, keep going with. But I did want to mention, um, like, I got the idea, especially after that second viewing, of like, this movie seems very, like, it, it seemed to lean towards the idea that Earth is the only planet with life because mm. of like how represent or like, I guess how much the house obviously represents Earth. Like, it, it definitely represents Earth and not just a generic right. planet because it's, you know, retelling yeah. the Bible and whatever. Yep. Did you guys get that too, where it seems like... It, it, it definitely seems like Darren is the type of person, at least based off of this movie, that would maybe not believe that this could happen on any other planet. <laughs> so... And I'm talking about life. Yeah. So here's the in- yeah not making this movie not not the Bible yeah or not making this movie yeah um, here's something I didn't think about at all until you just said this 
This is interesting. I wonder if the idea of Mother Nature at the end, when the cycle starts again, being a new yeah. woman, is supposed to be representative of, like, this being attempted on different Earths, like, different planets. Because initially when I saw that, I kind of got the idea that this is like one giant cycle of trying to get Earth perfect. But because they changed the actress at the end, I'm kinda, I kind of get the idea of maybe it's supposed to be more like God going around trying this in different places to see where it actually works. That's a good idea. It just it really, I guess it really depends on, and we can't really answer this, but it depends on if it's the Bible story again. Or if it's a completely new story, which we don't see. Yeah. So that's a really good point, actually. <clears throat> that that I, is, yeah. I interpreted it as when, like, when eventually humans cease to exist, because, like, it will happen. Like, because the Earth is billions of years old and we haven't been on it forever. Like, eventually, there will probably be a new form of life that is just as sentient as we are. So I just, like, I know there wasn't a time gap in the story of the movie but i i just thought it was like okay humans tried they died a new round of human like beings are trying again on this earth x amount of years later i don't know that's how i imagined it just like humans will fuck up it'll happen again that's kind of what we do okay that's interesting like an extinction process and yeah yeah like there have been on the earth yeah that's like yeah i just wanted to bring that up because i wanted to i don't know i wanted to get your guys input on that that's interesting and it's like the only interesting thing in this movie and it's right at the very end and again it's just like a conceptual thing that has no well yeah this is something that we're bringing up and not even the movie itself but that would be really you know that would be fucking cool so if you do like my idea (laughs) you could have like another far off house in the distance that at some point someone travels to and you can like use that as a parallel between different earths but again no it's just (laughs) yeah why why would you do that why would you do that when you could do this Okay, hmm. this is kind of unrelated, but in my research, I found that apparently, because, like, Darren was like, I don't want to, because normally they have, like, show crowds of people in and have them give opinions and give a score to, like, help promote the movie, whatever. Darren's like, fuck that. I don't want to do that. So he just, like, went immediately to, like, the, the circuit of all the festivals. And apparently at Toronto, to promote the film, instead of having... Like, obviously, the critic scores or reviews or anything. He handed out a prayer, which is a version of, I guess, the Our, Our Father. But he had Rebecca Solnit, which is, like, a feminist author. Like, like basically, like, a pretty, like, white feminist author. Um, rewrite it. And I just wanted... I just thought this was really interesting. And also, like, very indicative of his personality and, like, what his definition of woke is. And I just right. really wanted Are you gonna to read it? it to you. Yeah. Please. I have, like, yeah, go for it. Shot. Yeah, I was, I was so <laughs> intrigued. He handed this out to like the press and was like, "This is all you're gonna learn about the movie. That's it. That's all he gave them." Cool. My, our, our mother, who art underfoot, hallowed be thy names. Thy seasons come. Thy will be done within us as around us. Thank you for our daily bread, our water, our air, and our lives, and so much beauty. Lead us not into selfish craving and the destructions that are the hungers of the glutted, but deliver us from wanton consumption of thy vast but finite beauty. For thine is the only sphere of life we know, Dan, 
and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So maybe he does only believe in Earth having life. Just based. I wouldn't on be surprised. Life. But yeah, that's what he handed out to the press, and that's all they got. Thank you very much for reading that. That was uh, <laughs> no that was problem. Great. Isn't that insane? <laughs> <laughs> He didn't even write it himself, also. He's just like, feminist author, go ahead, write Our Father, but like, for Mother Earth, thanks. This is so... Yeah, that's so condescending. Right? It's such <laughs> film school bullshit. <laughs> like, I feel How like if I met him, I would hate him. Like, he'd just be like yes. the most pretentious person. I mean, I haven't met him, and I hate him. <laughs> Guys, like, and the thing that, like, really, really blows my mind is that like Javier Bardem, Jennifer Lawrence, Ed Harris, Michelle Pfeiffer, yeah, freaking General Hux from Star Wars, yeah, yeah. Kristen Wiig, like, like oh, major by the way. movie stars, all were in this fucking movie. <laughs> and by the way, the the brothers Cain and Abel, I didn't realize till after, but they were actually brothers in real yeah. life. Yeah, they were the Gleason brothers. That was cool. But yeah, no, excellent cast. Oh, really? I only noticed Domino. I didn't know the other dude. Yeah, and his brother was... Uh, the one that uh, dies. Brendan Gleeson, I think. Cool. Anyway, you're right, though. Like, how did they get roped up into this? <laughs> I have no idea. Well, it's also just like, sometimes I hear... Like, here's... Okay. Like, Martin Scorsese had to go to Netflix to get the budget for The Irishman. And he's been yeah. trying to make that movie for 11 years, whatever. Darren... Coming hot off of Noah, that was his last movie before yeah. this was Noah. Critical failure, yeah, just absolute disaster. And like, how many? It was like a bunch of millions of dollars, right? Like people were like not happy. Definitely didn't make his money back. Darren gets the money to not only like make this movie big budget, but also cast some of the most famous movie stars ever. And I, I just, I don't understand his success. Because there's no way yeah, this I'm... made money. There's no way Mother, or this is, there's no way Noah made money. Yeah. Like, I mean, Black Swan was like a critical hit. But like, again, like, did that make money? Like, was that like a profitable movie? Very niche. I feel like, like that how... might have been like one of his most profitable, but like still nothing like a, like an Avengers film. Profitable. I mean, it's still like, how does Martin Scorsese with like, an excellent track record in terms of not only making money back but just like critical success not get yeah. to make Irishman but this fucker gets to make this movie no problem <laughs> just walks in guys the bible but in the modern day and also nature and they're like as much money as you need as much just take it he's just he's a trust fund he's a privileged trust fund baby yeah he's such a prick and... I think yeah. I heard that he initially pitched it and people were like Mm, and then he got Jennifer Lawrence, oh. and then people gave him money. Are you telling me? I'm curious. Yeah. This to see how many. Sorry, go ahead. Well, cause this was this... right after Hunger Games, right? Like she was like famous. This fucker. Yeah. Seduced Jennifer Lawrence into <laughs> dating him just to get this movie made, and then they broke up as no, soon as it was done. No, no, no. He got her for the film, and then after concept shots, they started dating. So, she signed on before being into him. Just for the record. But. But. But, I yes. kind of feel like the timeline of that still adds up that he was yeah. like. No, for sure. 
Because, like, like, especially since they were only together for, like, a year, like... Yeah. It doesn't look good for him. (laughs) Yeah, not at all. Or her. Like, come on. You can do so much better than Darren Aronofsky. (laughs) And I'm curious... I'm really curious to see how much each of the, like, all of the talent got paid. Because I feel like that would say a lot about how much faith they actually had in the project. Yeah. Like I, I want to see if any of them actually thought that this was. I see what you're saying. A deep project, you know. Because yeah. like sometimes famous actors will do movies like for scale or whatever. Which yeah, basically or like just... Jonah Hill. Yeah. So they like do, doing like Wolf of Wall Street for like thirty thousand dollars because exactly. he really wanted to be in that movie, exactly. for example. Aww. Yeah, but this one, yeah. I assume they were all like fucking maximum amount of money like i'm not being in this movie unless i get my full like (laughs) whatever my full quote um god damn i just i'm getting angrier about this as we go like i'm not getting happier this isn't resolving anything it's just bringing up more issues i didn't even like think about like as much as i'm annoyed that we chose this and i had to watch it again and like feel that anger i am glad we had this discussion this is like fun a fun discussion I'm so mad about yeah, the film. I'm enjoying this discussion. As a concept and as a thing that got him money and I assume like at least made him a little money, but like at least we had to talk about it. So <laughs> that. Um Carol, did you have any more like questions? No, I think we went like through all my questions, questions and all my little notes. It was mostly about the yellow wallpaper and the way he like promoted this film. Yeah so silly um but yeah no i think we went through most of it okay i had i also had some like general notes kind of like you but without timestamps that were just like so so dumb i i I do need to mention that in the end when she steals his heart and he like says some deep shit like who are you i am i blah 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 Yeah, yeah he kind of says the lyrics to the song last christmas by wham that's probably a coincidence, but I does just he really actually? Need... Yes, he does. I um, love that song. Does he actually? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's in my notes, so I'm gonna trust it. Okay, um, see so if you can find it. That's actually hilarious. But you know, gotta love a good so, Christmas. Christmas, Christmas. Jesus, is yeah. Darren Aronofsky like a huge Wham fan? Then Jesus. is that what we're saying? Yes, yeah. I think so. But yeah, no, I've I've gone through all my notes. I had a lot, and they were all pretty negative but we got through it okay um i have one question for both of you i have a question for dan and then unless there's anything else maybe we can move on to some of my uh random observations we'll just call them random observations um (laughs) here's my question for both of you and i guess we kind of started talking about this at the beginning but we didn't as it went on what do you guys think his point of view is on the conflict of the movie because for me as much as like j-law gets shit on i kind of feel like her getting shit on is supposed to be him saying like hey we need to like be more careful about the environment and religion is fucked and not like a pro-religion thing but it's interesting that like this whole idea of is this his uh, his idea of life only exists on earth which is like inherently kind of a religious (laughs) thing so what do you guys think about that Carol, did you want to go first? Sure. Um, yeah. Well, he is... I mean, his Wikipedia says he's an environmentalist, and I think he's a self-proclaimed environmentalist. So I think, like, the most obvious message of the movie, and I think the message that I got the first time I watched it, was, like, we're treating the Earth very badly. Treat 
treat her better. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I think because the first time I watched it, a lot of the religious stuff was just, like, a vague afterthought. And, like, the main message I got was just, like, be nicer to planet Earth. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if it was, like, necessarily a pro or con religion. Because I don't think religion has much to do with the treatment of the earth like i think he was very much like this is an environmentalist movie be nice to the planet like yes the religious allegory was there and apparently because of all his last like three movies he's very into religion right now and how how easy it is to take already written stories and use yeah. them in your own stories um yep so i think that was just like i mean a coincidence i don't know if he was necessarily like the point of this movie is yes religion good no religion bad i think it was mo like as he pointed out with like the baby dying was literally just a baby dolphin for tourists like he is very much right. of one mind on it so i assumed it was mostly just like be nice to the planet but that's my opinion yeah um it's definitely so i just wanted to say like theoretically the message he's sending here should be a positive one like yeah the the message that i got from the movie is treat the environment better you're right like theory like that's objectively a great message right it's just the approach that he took was extremely lazy and just uncomfortable to the point where despite it being a really good message it doesn't convey at least for me, and I'm assuming with most audiences, it doesn't convey very well. So it seems ineffective, and it might give off the idea that maybe that wasn't even the message, you know? Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is basically good message on paper, but not in practice. Yeah. Yeah, because it's My, like, uh... I'm all for Save the Earth. Like, that's obviously a message I'm very behind, but, like, why did it make me feel of so course, bad? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It wasn't executed well. No. Yeah, it, it's weird. Um, I think it's more effective to get people to rally behind a cause in a more positive way rather than saying, like, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> you're one of those people that's fucking killing J-Law right now. Like, that is such yeah. an... Yeah. And then, yeah, not even to mention, like, like, if you're a woman in the audience who's then, like... Anyway, it's messed up. Um, if, if you treat the audience with respect, you will... Yeah. There's more likelihood that they will receive the message better and, and yeah. you know, enforce it in their own lives. Yeah. Um, my, my last thoughts on this is just... And I think you guys both kind of touched on this. Like, the execution of it's so weird. And for me, if the idea is an environmentalist thing and it's about, like, having to treat the Earth better... But at the same time, it is kind of about, like, um, is it even possible to have humanity on an Earth that doesn't end up in disaster? It's weird that they painstakingly put so many Bible references in it. Because it's like, there's a way to do that without retelling the Bible. You can, even if you want to use, like, specific religion examples, you can, like, cherry pick some. If you want to cherry pick Adam and Eve or whatever. But, like to go all the like go all out the way they did was really like distracting um and to your guys's point like i really think it takes away from the message when like most of the time i'm watching the movie i'm just thinking 
why are we doing this religious stuff and then at, <laughs> even at the end of the movie which should be this like really emotional thing of like mother earth dying i'm just thinking like was was the whole eating jesus thing necessary was that <laughs> was that really ne- like you know what i mean it's just and and again like if you maybe if you didn't like go to i went to like a catholic um grade school and high school took religion the whole time you have to um if if you don't have that background maybe it's not as distracting it was really distracting for me when i was watching it where i was like i'm trying to focus on the environmentalist positive stuff and you keep fucking throwing shit in there for no anyway it just it was it was distract it was ultimately just distracting and i think it was like the wrong course of action to take but to carol's point i feel like he just had this idea of i want to make um an environmentalist movie well i've done a lot of religious studying for my last two movies so rather than think of like a plot i'll just take that shit that i know and like use that and like no one because he's darren and he's like the new goddamn george lucas no one tells him no so he just does whatever the fuck he wants Um, i think after this movie people will start telling him no dude i think it was like a major failure in like the and to be clear like (laughs) i genuinely like for him to make was requiem like his first movie like his first post film pi i think pi was his first film okay i I think that was yeah before like the dude is not untalented but it's just really troublesome to me that there is like no progression in the way that like like we talked about nolan having progression it's really troublesome to me that he has like certain tricks that he latches onto and he like refuses to layer it or learn more um there's he's no growth. 51. There's no growth. Sorry, I'm just on his. I just wanted to see like the order. He's of 51. Films. He's 51 years old, and Pi was Andita's first film. Okay. But yeah, wow, he's I, older than I thought. And this will actually kind of tie into my last question that I specifically want to talk about Dan about because it's more of a technique thing. I found the cinematography in this movie, in some parts, to be like, and the editing, I guess, to some degree to be borderline laughable there's like a couple of scenes where they cut to like insane close-ups where i was like this is so distracting and so weird and then also like the use of like we talked about there's like two jump scares in the movie and it's like like it's like they they didn't know like are we making a horror movie are we making a drama are we doing a weird documentary thing where we're super close up on people like they just jump between like so many different things that it was really just like guys pick something stick to it and like do that throughout the movie so it doesn't stick out so much sorry what were the yeah, two okay. jump scares before dan answers just for There's the like audience one... and a reminder for myself i literally don't remember <laughs> oh i think i remember there's like one okay. when she's like standing in the house and she turns and like i think like Donald gleason yeah. like shows up oh, again yeah. or whatever i think that was one of the ones i was thinking yeah. of there's another one earlier i don't know dan do you there's one when like Adam stays over and the next morning she closes a cupboard and he's like yes, he's right. there yes. beyond the cupboard that was the one and that then, fucking got, pissed me off I was like there's, there's one other one too the one that I first think of when you say jump scare for this movie is when she's looking out the window and she like turns the porch light on or something and there's someone outside mm. of the window like a fall yep. door yeah. so yeah like the jump scares definitely just added in because he's trying to salvage this into a horror movie like for me, there's no doubt about that. Yep. They don't belong in this movie at all. Absolutely. Um, that might have even been like a studio, a slight studio decision. I, I know he says like he <laughs> he really didn't tolerate studio interference, but that could have been like a small little, you know, 
something from the studio that to me like really suggestion it really sticks out as like what do we mark what is this movie how do we sell this movie yeah. and he's like well it's actually an environmental and they're like okay it's a horror movie go put it in- <laughs> so we need to have little yeah at least some little bits of horror yeah yeah that's all that is to me it's not effective exactly. it's stupid um and then in response to the uh like the shot choices i guess um i also just want to mention that I did watch the Red Letter Media review in, oh pre- in preparation for this, and we should just briefly Ooh, mention that um, Red Letter Media is an excellent YouTube channel that does primarily movie reviews, other stuff too, but um, they're, they're very funny. As I well. mean, yeah. Y- yeah, they're great. I mean, like, it doesn't really make sense for us to give them a shout out because, like, <laughs> we have, like, you know, 100 listeners per episode, which we're thankful for, by the way. We didn't mention that. Thank you for the support up to now. Yeah. But, um,. Yeah, like definitely check out Red Letter Media if you're in, into this stuff. Anyway, um, I did watch the review again. I watched it after both times seeing the movie, and um, I think Jay, one of the members of Red Letter Media, made a good point about the cinematography. Was that like despite being in this giant house, the close-ups really gave you that claustrophobic, like unsettling feeling, which I feel was intentional for this movie. So if there's one thing about this movie that worked. <laughs> Like, well, not one thing, because you were talking about the color choices, too. But if there's, you know, a couple things that worked about this movie, it's it's maybe that and the some of the cinematography choices for me, at okay. least. I, that's fair. I guess for me, it just goes back to it, them trying to put this through a horror movie lens, where it's like, if you're trying to put it through that lens, I guess why you're doing it. But the fact that you're trying to put it through that lens in the first place just to me is like well you just have no fucking idea what the best way to get across this story is like if you had this idea and your like thought was oh you know how we'll do this best like in a horror movie and we're gonna do that and we're gonna put horror movie elements it's just like but all of his films have been kind of like not like horror ish psychological thriller ish like Like, that's his kind of genre even in the round table um, the writer of The Big Sick, I can't remember her name right now, was like, I described your, your films, Emily I think Gordon. It's Emily Gordon, right? Yeah. She's like, I describe your films to my friends as like psychological horrors or like, like head horrors because it's like, it's not necessarily like someone's out here murdering people, but it just is, it messes with your head in kind of a scary way. And like, I think that's the genre that he t- tries to follow if there is yeah. one, but. I mean, that's debatable. <laughs> I gotcha. I, think... I don't think I've ever seen another Darren Aronofsky movie, actually. I mean, Not I've only seen Black Swan, and I think the beginning of Pi, but I started to watch it too late at night, so I don't have much to go off of. But I have two films, oh. and both I would call psychological horrors. So okay. there's that. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely where he likes to play. I think, yeah. um, I think my only thing would be... Like, that's cool if you want to do that. Um... To me, I just found it weird. So I'm going to compare it to, let's say, Shutter Island. I just recently watched Shutter Island for the first time. Nice. Which is also, I would say, like a psychological horror. 100%. Or at least for sure. the same yeah, type yeah. of... I, I feel like the same type of movie that like Darren wants to make. Um, wants to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the difference for me is that the horror elements that are in Mother, I feel like are Friday the 13th horror elements. 
Like, they don't strike me as psychological elements. Like, the closing the thing and someone's there, turning on the light and someone's outside. Like, yeah. that very, kind like, of shit. cliche, yeah. Yes. It strikes me as, like, slasher, low-budget, yeah. whatever. Whereas, I think if you look at something like Shutter Island, which is made by a very good, competent director, <laughs> like, no the psychological horror is done in, like, more clever ways than just, like, the guidebook of how, you know, how to make a horror movie 101 basic bullshit. Um, and I, and I, like, personally, I feel like psychological horror really, like, that's what sets it apart a lot of the time, right? Is that you are getting away from those kind of, like, typical from horror movies. jump scares, yeah. Yeah, like, that kind of shit. Um, and I know it's, like, a small thing that only happens, like, a little bit in the movie, but every time it happens... No, but it's dumb. You're right. I got angry. I was like, what <laughs> are you doing? This is so stupid. So, does anyone... That's it's desperate. Yeah, it, it's, it's desperation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to go to your time code funny moments? Yes. Yes. I don't have <laughs> everything time coded. Amazing. Okay, let's go through some. Okay, so first thing here, uh, the text font is pretentious and dumb. That was my first note. <laughs> That's like the very uh, beginning. Very oh, first thing you Oh, you mean you like see. it for the title? Oh, yeah. yeah. What, what is it? <laughs> oh, okay. the, the same font is used for the, the, the prayer that he handed out to the press. Exact same font. I could barely read it. Can can we also say why the why the exclamation point? Oh my god. The fact that it's lowercase an exclamation point. I know. That alone I'm like that is just, this that's... guy thinks he's so fucking deep. Yes, that is that's pure pretentious. So pre- is yeah. pretentiousness a word? I don't because know. I was going to I, I was going to call it, it pretension, but I also don't think that's a word. It might be pretentious. I think it's same idea, but I don't know. So dumb. Yeah. Sorry, um, anyway, sorry, go on. <laughs> so I already made the point. I'm going to make it again. Was seeing J-Law's nips worthwhile? Question mark. Important? Question mark. Because this is going to be a recurring thing I come back to. Um, <laughs> at 11 minutes, 10 seconds, weird cut to somebody laughing. This movie is shot boring. Because at one point, they cut to someone who goes, ha, 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 And it reminded me of, like, the 1968 Planet of the Apes when they cut to Charlton <laughs> Heston. And he's just, like, cracking up for no fucking reason. Okay, um... Then at 11 minutes 42 seconds, after Adam comes in and starts coughing, I made a note here. Dude has a General Grievous cough? Question mark. General <laughs> Grievous, everyone's favorite Star Wars character. Yeah, of course. Uh, at 13 minutes, scary basement scene. Two question marks. Oh wait, it's just boring. Boring does not equal tense. Okay, let's go. Page but two. But it's here. a basement. All basements are scary. No. Marco, aren't you in your basement right now? I am in my basement. I can tell you. Are you scared? I'm not scared. I'm scared about (laughs) the fact that I watched this movie. I'm frightened that I put my. That counts. That counts for something. Uh, At 18 minutes 45 seconds, Darren said, "Hey Jala, hey J Law, no bras in this movie (laughs) because once again, she, you can see her boobs." Okay. Uh, At 19 minutes 30 seconds quote-unquote super deep movie has a jump scare that was i actually pointed out that jump scare uh at 20 minutes adam and eve do you get it that was another thing i wrote oh this is one of my favorites at 28 minutes is that where he works eve says is that where he works and then she points up and the camera pans up and there's just light coming out of the room and i was like i get it it's heaven (laughs) i get it darren Okay, so at uh, 33 minutes, I have written a toilet monster that made me laugh out loud. That's when there's the little <laughs> thing of the toilet. Yeah, we couldn't decide what it was. 
then I have just a bunch of notes about the actual movie because at this point I was still making notes. Uh, at 37 minutes, was that a sex scene? To tell me why so shoot this movie because it isn't possible. Um, it was also on the stairs again. Yep. Yeah. Just like in the room. This is one of my favorites. At 40 minutes, a new guy walks in and uh, J Law says, "What are you doing here?" And then I believe it's Eve walks up and says, what are any of us doing here? And that's one of my favorite lines because it's meant to excuse the entire plot. It's meant to excuse how this guy would know to be there. And I was like, no, that's a very good question. You should answer why you're here right now because this is still a movie that takes place in like fucking existence. Like this isn't normal. (sighs) Okay. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, I don't have a time code for this, but General Hux kills his brother. Obviously, General Hux from Star Wars. And I didn't know if Kane killed Abel or if Abel killed Kane, so I just called him General Hux. I don't think anyone would um, be mad. <laughs> General Hux, the famous Bible character. At, um, at 47 minutes, I have the house's heart shrunk three sizes that day because we see the heart like shrunk <laughs> up a little bit. Another good Christmas <laughs> reference. Love the yep, Grinch. Yep. <laughs> Oh, at 59 minutes, Shit's Creek Girl shows up. I think I've been asleep for the last 10 minutes because I just didn't take any notes for a very long time. Who's um, Shit's Creek Girl? Wait, who's that? It's the girl that's like sitting on the ledge and talking to that guy. Oh, you know? she oh. Almost, she's like, get off, it's unbraced. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's in Shit's Creek. And Shit's Creek, by the way, for anyone listening, very funny show, very funny Canadian show. I've heard, yeah. I would highly recommend it. It's great. Okay, okay, let's keep going here. Let's get through some of this. <laughs> oh, this is one of my favorite notes. I don't have a timestamp. But the note is J-Law saying, you can't even fuck me. And then plus a rape scene equals feminism to Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> Great. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Okay, at uh, one hour, 25 minutes, I've given up on taking notes because it's the same thing over and over. Then I have random Kristen Wiig appears. Then at one hour, 32 minutes, this movie has gone off the rails and I don't care about any of it. Uh, and then I just, <laughs> I just, I literally just have written in the middle of the page, is floorboard house's vagina. That's literally all <laughs> I have written. That is my favorite thing that you texted us. <laughs> And then my final note on this movie, Mother Nature burns the house down because global warming. There we go. But then it restarts like nothing happened. So, like, but for a movie that's supposed to be like, we hate global warming, like, be nice to the earth, why do you have it end in, like, global warming, quote unquote, and then have it restart, like, very easily with no visible damage? That seems kind of counterintuitive i guess i guess it was like global warming will kill the population and that's but what then happened. god will be fine so like don't worry about it like also in my two- notes <laughs> i found i i wrote are we supposed to hate god so i think i change my opinion on everything i said and he does hate religion because I, I, so, I was just reading it and i was like oh yes okay. god sucks. so i have two <laughs> thoughts on that ending I have the ending that i think would be more interesting and then i have the ending that i think he's implying okay yes. Here's the more interesting ending. The more interesting ending is the Lorax ending, okay? The Lorax <laughs> classic Dr. Seuss book, and it ends with everything's gone to shit, and the one slur is talking to the kid, and he mm. says, uh, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing's going to get better, it's not, right? Very, it's a great ending. 
but it's like a hopeful ending because like everything's yeah. gone to shit but it's like we can still start over which could be an interpretation for the ending of this except carol i think darren does hate religion <laughs> because god literally says well i'm never going to be satisfied so we're just going to keep doing this until yeah. the end of time yeah okay thanks also i like that I mean, give, like, given Darren's interpretation of it, it's like, no wim- woman specifically will ever satisfy me, so let's just keep going. Like, fuck, like, women are just, like, whatever. I have a million I can create. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, Darren Aronofsky hates everything and everyone, except the environment, except he has absolutely no idea what he's talking about. He likes the environment, but he hates women he made mother earth very obviously a woman so that's interesting i still don't know what he likes and hates but yeah go planet fuck women fuck god i think is the takeaway from the film he made he made mother earth a woman so that way he could get j-law topless like five different times in the movie <sighs> yeah i mean and then they dated so who knows how many times she was topless but like good for him i guess all right does anyone have any closing thoughts well i did want to just talk briefly about like okay film characters um yeah this movie doesn't have any because all of its characters again in quotes are just ideas like metaphors taken from the source material right um yep i feel like we just like I feel like this would be a great note to end on is just talking about what makes a strong character. And Marco, I know you enjoy writing a lot. Um, so, did you have any thoughts? Yeah. Um, so, Car- Okay. So, what I'm about to say, I learned from watching many, many um, like Sorkin podcasts and interviews and stuff. But what he's referencing is a very old idea, and if you listen to pretty much any writer, they might have their own way of saying it, but it always boils down to the same thing. So I'm about to go way back here. (laughs) In Aristotle, Aristotle wrote this book. (laughs) I'm not even joking. Aristotle (laughs) wrote this book called The Poetics, and in The Poetics, he basically outlines what a drama is. Okay? And, like, pretty much everything that's in there are like the fundamental rules of storytelling and like if you break one of those like there's something missing and um sorkin kind of summarizes it as and i've actually read it because i'm such a fanboy but (laughs) he summarizes it as the idea that a film character has like there's like three basic properties that makes up a film character okay the first is the like intention so a character has to want something or like they have to need something okay there is the obstacle. The obstacle is the thing that the plot is putting in their way. And then they have their tactics. So, like, tactics are what we would all refer to as character. Tactics are how your protagonist tries to overcome the plot's obstacle to get what they want and or need. And, like, basically, that is the structure of any dramatic story. That is the structure of what makes a character. A really, really good character has um, a really really strong intention and an obstacle that's like really formidable so for example if you are dealing with a character who wants to get a good grade on the test 
and has like nothing else standing in their way other than they have to study that's not really compelling because it's just like we'll just fucking study yeah right but it's like if you start putting other shit in that character's way it makes the obstacle more formidable and like what we talk about as a character is how they overcome that um a lot of times you'll find characters that are very weak characters but have a lot of character traits like a lot of really specific things about them um and that's not the same thing like what really defines a character is their attempts to get what they want by overcoming what's in their way character traits are their favorite color the type of clothes that they wear the type of words that they use like it's the really kind of yeah it's the superficial stuff that like can become important if you make it important but ultimately doesn't really matter um and i think if you look at mother to bring it all back around where this movie kind of like fails and why we're talking about it not having a character is and not having a plot no one in this movie wants and or needs anything and there's like nothing ever standing it's just a sequence of events that we watch and like that's it and that's that does not make a character which is why it's not compelling to watch in the first place and like going back to like my initial pitch for like how to make this better um part of the reason why that would kind of work is because you have a like a literal drama of like a husband and wife arguing about like whether or not to have a kid or like the ramifications of like having a kid those are like really those are like intentions and obstacles right like those are like actual like things that make them characters and then within those characters you can embed this idea of like their religious undertone or whatever um so like at its core like if you ever hear me complaining about character or whatever like in specific that's kind of what i'm talking about is they gotta want something they have to like not just be able to easily get it and they have to try and overcome it um and this movie doesn't have literally any of that this movie is nothing what does j-lo want yeah, their motivation is so unclear. Like, I guess, yeah. like, God wanted to write because, like, that's his thing. But even then, like, for so long, he just, like, wasn't. It's just things happening and to them. Yeah. Like, yes. there wasn't a logical, like, I mean, I know the question wasn't posed to me because I know nothing about No, I posed it to both of you. Go, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. <laughs> but, like, in general, to, like, have a compelling character in a film, like, you want to just, like, believe that they're a human that exists. I mean, I guess in this world, sometimes other worlds, but, like, they need to have motivation. Like, you want to believe that they've, like, had a past, whether that's made explicit or not. But just, like, you just want to be able to relate to them. And I guess, like, J-Law didn't have a past, considering she was just made from the stone and was one of many reiterations. But, like, it just, it didn't, there was no tie to either of the characters. You didn't know what they were doing or why. Like, and those questions were never really entirely answered. It, it just all all seemed, like, meaningless. And especially when it all dissolved into chaos, it was extra, like, I don't... Like, I, there's no one I'm, like, rooting for. Like, I guess kind of Mother Earth. But even so, like, because we don't know much about her other than she stays in this house forever. Like, you don't really have a good reason to. It just, yeah, it seemed very shallow, despite, I'm sure, him wanting it to be really deep. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting that we're talking about character, like, just the term character versus character traits, because the way I think of it is, like, for me, theoretically, and I'm just like, I am just a film student. I'm going to acknowledge that right away. This is just (laughs) from what I've learned so far. But for me, the perfect 
character in a story is if you think about a graph of the progression of the story and the like like the um the likability of the character like for me a perfect character starts at the zero zero point and steadily rises for a hero anyway steadily rises till the end of the movie but when you have these shallow character traits it helps but it's kind of cheating because you're not starting at the zero zero point you're starting <clears throat> a little bit above zero on the likability scale and then you continue to rise so you kind of have that like it's like your character has training wheel sort of that's a stupid yeah. analogy but no no, no. yeah makes sense. yeah it makes perfect sense and i think it's also um part of the reason why it's so hard and we're seeing this a lot in the modern era to like continue franchises because the people that are continuing the franchises are people that were fans of the franchise growing up and so they're so focused on the traits and on you know i don't want to get too specific one day <laughs> dan you know what i'm talking about you know which franchise i'm talking about here but are you sure you don't want to get it's specific like, <laughs> three movies and not one of them understood luke skywalker as a character not one still don't know what you're and they all about. were just like yeah they were all superficial <laughs> character trait things um yeah it is a, it's a problem and i would even say for this movie it's like it doesn't even make that attempt to have the character traits like in this movie it's so banking on the idea of your understanding of the religious stories and your understanding of environmentalism that even the thin thinly veiled plot elements aren't plot like they're immediately resolved like jaylon never talks about wanting to be intimate she talks about wanting to be intimate and within a minute she has a child right or but even she um, doesn't talk about it like michelle pfeiffer asks if you have been and then she just only ever says you can't even fuck me and then they fuck like that's it yeah so yeah. like yeah if you go back to the idea of like motivation of like intention and obstacle it's like there's never an obstacle nope because you're so relying on these built-in stories that people understand that you don't have to make an obstacle but because this is like its own movie you do for it to work as a movie so when like Kane and Abel show up and freaking General Hux whichever one he's supposed to be kills the I think other it's supposed one supposed to be Kane it's like yeah it's like it's this thinly like you left him more money so now <laughs> I'm going to kill him and it's like what it's like if you didn't know that was Kane and Abel I would like yeah. how do you even watch that scene and like have it function <laughs> as a movie scene it doesn't it makes no sense very true. yeah by the so, way I don't know if you guys noticed but he kills him with the the doorknob so early in the movie god by locking them out of eden he physically breaks the doorknob out of the door to his office which is eden and then like boards mm. it up later but the weapon i'm pretty mm -hmm. sure that kane uses to kill his brother is the doorknob which i don't mm. understand like I, I was thinking about that last night does that mean something no okay that's like, the i don't end know of technically like god is all knowing so Cain killing Abel or vice versa whatever happened was technically part of God's plan so maybe him placing the doorknob within a reachable distance was to illustrate that everything is a part of God's plan because God placed just happened to place the doorknob within killing distance you know for for audio I listeners that's just Marco like my I haven't angry. thought of it till now 
Yeah, he's See, shaking here's the thing. his hands in the, in the video. And this is what, like, grinds my gears. And it goes back to what Dan was talking about with, like, yeah. I was saying about the whole New Testament thing of, like, shouldn't he be writing it after? It's like, they want to have God be a character in the narrative. But because the narrative is the Bible, yeah. like, it doesn't even, it doesn't make sense. Like, he either has to be outside of the story and, like, clearly outside of the story or not. And the movie doesn't take a position one way or the other. Where it's like, yeah. sometimes he's in the story. But sometimes he's, like, outside of the story. Like, maybe when he brings the baby out to get killed, maybe that is the thing of, like, knowing Jesus would die. Maybe he's supposed to be outside of the story. But is he? I don't know. The movie doesn't say. You know why? Because no one fucking knows and no one thought about it. They didn't think. They just they just said, hey, Javier Bardem, just come to set and I don't know. We're, we're just going to shoot you. You can just point for them to get out of the room or something. And, <laughs> no, I, here's what happened. They were like, how is General Hux going to kill his brother? What's lying around the house? And then they were like, oh, we should go and like reshoot the scene with God. So he knocks the and door And it'll be like the Chekhov's... Yeah, it'll be like the Chekhov's gun thing. Chekhov's gun is this like writer's principle that says like if you show a gun in the first act, it has to be used in the third act. And if you use a gun in the third act, it has to be shown in the first act. So I promise you, they were like, how is he going to kill his brother? And they were like, well... Let's set it up. I don't. God breaks it. God breaks the handle. But you know, know who doesn't know more than any of us? Darren Aronofsky. No, he knows nothing. <laughs> he knows it is a religious allegory and kind of about Mother Earth, and that is it. The end. That's it, guys. As we approach the two-hour mark, almost of the longest episode love yet. To talk episode. about Mother. This is, I think, my favorite. Me too, episode definitely. So far. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to promote this one because it's longer but people people if you, anyone listening to this like you will really enjoy this um well they've already listened to it so what i would say yeah i yeah. guess this point. you should like just clip this out carol and put it right at the start of the episode just if you're Ooh, gonna listen to this you're like gonna it. love it storytelling um it's cyclical it's like poetry it rhymes are you the writer the great um, poet we didn't talk about that line oh my god Okay, I'm going to end this. I'm going to end this, but I need to say one more thing. I need to say one more thing. (laughs) Writers who write about writers make me want to jump off a bridge. Like, I, I get it. Listen, both people in the office is writing room and also in the West Wing writing room talked about this idea that when you're trying to do a show every week, 22 episodes a year, at some point you just run out of ideas and so you go to something really to what you know that's mm-hmm. why there's a lot of office episodes about michael trying to do some type of film production thing because yeah. they all went through that it's a very easy plot to put together in the west wing there are speech writers if aaron didn't know what he wanted the episode to be about guess what the episode was about one of the writers having writer's block it's like the oldest trick and if you're doing 22 episodes a year for however many fucking years cool you got to do that sometimes. I get it. If you have millions and millions of dollars to make a movie with, like, every famous person ever, and everyone is backing you, and you can't think of it, like, God, <laughs> like, Darren thinks he's God. You know what I mean? He's like, well, didn't God's the writer, and, like, I, I'm no, the writer. No, fought it. It's not about him. It's not about writers. It's not about famous people. It's only God. Okay, Marco? Yeah, it's only, yeah. It's it's so, like, because God didn't even write the goddamn... <laughs> like, it doesn't even make sense because, like, the apostles wrote the testament. 
It doesn't even have him be another type of artist. But you want to talk about him being like creative? Kristen Wiig, we can't. I know, but like, <laughs> if you want to have him be like in in the like, if you want to talk about creation, why not have him be a visual artist? Like, isn't that a better representation of that? No, he has to be a writer because the Testaments. Oh, but God didn't write the Testaments. Yeah, but I'm a writer and I'm God, so fuck you. That's what's the like. <laughs> yeah, or he should have like had an active part in rebuilding the home. Yes. Mm. There were so many better ways to show him being... Why did... <laughs> anyway. Right. I feel like that got anyway. out of hand, but it was worth it. I... It just... it It's one of those things... I didn't write it down. I forgot to bring it up. But it was so... It, it really stuck with me in my core, where I was like, you piece of shit. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> On that Thank note. you, everyone, for <laughs> listening to this episode. This is our longest episode. I also think this is probably our best episode. This is a very good episode. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, we, we improve every time. Yeah, we get better every time. Speaking of which, though, we would um, love any feedback whatsoever. True. Um, yeah, seriously, guys. Like, comment, text. I mean, I'm sure most of you know us personally. <laughs> yeah. Shoot us a text. But if you don't, yeah, feel what free can to we do leave a comment for sure. And listen, like, if you don't, we're just going to keep doing <laughs> <Yeah>. this. Because <so. laughs> okay. we're having fun. Like, no oh, we are. No matter who um, listens, we just love to talk to each other. Because unless you don't know us, we don't all live in the same city. And also, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So we don't, yeah. like, hang out regularly. So it's just nice to talk to friends about things that we like, or in this case, don't like, um, every so often. So. Yeah, and, and like these. <laughs> it's going to keep happening whether you listen or not, but we do appreciate exactly. you the listening is, if you do. <laughs> these, like, conversations that we have were happening for years anyway. We just decided to start yeah, recording. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all this really is, but we're having fun with it. Yeah. yeah. Should we hmm. tease our next episode? I think, I think so. it's tradition at this if point. We're decided. Yeah. Guys, this was so much fun. We had such a fun time today. But also, we've been doing a lot of really heavy-handed stuff. Lord of the Rings, super heavy-handed. Fleabag, super heavy-handed. This, just a black <laughs> hole. Like, it just sucks everything out of you. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite, I think, probably in, like, my top three favorite comedies. I don't know about you guys as well. It's up there. Um... The classic <laughs> School of Rock, starring Jack Black and a bunch Love of children. Jack Black, yes. It is such a funny <laughs> movie. So please, if you want to rewatch it, rewatch it. I'm looking it. forward to rewatching. It's gonna be another. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's gonna be a if great episode. Laugh, this is. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is our first one that we've all seen that we've done. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, so we won't have any fresh takes, but we will yeah. probably do a lot of laughing and gushing yeah maybe i'll sing who knows well if it counts for anything <laughs> okay. i haven't seen it in like 10 years so i'll be seeing it for the first okay. time in like and i year. watch it every year <laughs> almost yeah. just cool. like by coincidence not on purpose it just happens okay guys thanks for listening um if you want to contact us youtube comments and or text us and or we also have social media but you probably know that yeah um <laughs> Yeah, is that is is that it? I think so. I think so. Thanks. Yeah, thanks okay. for listening. Thank you for listening. I'd I'd for two whole hours. Much appreciated. I'm just gonna say one more thing, and then we can cut the episode after I say it. Okay. Marco, it's always you. Ready? Huh?
Go ahead. It has to be. Okay, start date <laughs> negative three zero two three four four point eight six seven. We forgot to do that. Okay. Oh my god. How dare us? Okay, the end. Thanks so much. The end. <laughs> Thank you. Guys. Hey guys, uh, we just wanted to put something here at the end of the episode to acknowledge um, the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Um, he passed shortly after we recorded the episode and we just didn't feel right putting out the episode without saying anything because obviously this is a super big loss. Um, I mean, such a talented actor and obviously such an important actor playing you know, the first major black superhero we've ever had. Um, yeah, so we all just wanted to say a quick little something and just acknowledge it at the end of the episode here. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I still I still can't believe it. It's It was horrible, horrible news. Um, and it just, like, it got me thinking, like, wow, he really achieved a lot in his life. Like, you just mentioned to, you know, really pave the way or like help pave the way for um like for example superheroes who aren't like a white man you know and um i think that was just like it really deepened the cut for me um it really hit hard absolutely again couldn't believe it when i read the news but um I'm very sorry for all of his family. Yeah, and especially in a time that is marked by so much already black death. I mean, there already is proportionally more, but I guess more televised black death having this extra important, I mean, um, just I guess more famous and mainstream person die so suddenly, especially since no one knew about his diagnosis really yeah really hit hard and just to see like such an important person and like role model for millions of black children growing up like I just keep seeing like photos of like little black kids and they're like crying over their black panther action figures so it is like an extreme loss and yeah it really really hit hard but rest in peace yep absolutely this is a terrible year and also just like so young like 43 way too young yeah very young ridiculous yeah so rest in peace peace to chadwick thanks for listening everyone uh we hope you enjoy the episode and you know obviously this sucks that he passed but glad that we can continue to enjoy his work as stuff goes on and um yeah like we said at the end of the actual episode we will be back and you know hopefully better times ahead